Hey, next on the Teen Nation, thanks for tuning in to this segment of the show featuring our resident director of instruction, Tom Patry. And thank you so much for your continued support. The show is currently ranked number three in the podcast magazine Hot 50 list. We've been number two in June and July. We're number three in August. We certainly appreciate your vote. You can do so daily by going online to podcastmagazine.com forward slash hot 50. You guys have been fantastic. This is your show, and you're certainly showing that by your votes. Thank you so very much. Y'all are fantastic. Enjoy this segment. Okay, on to my first guest, who is our resident director of instruction, Tom Patry. If you want to take your game to the next level this year, folks, go see Tom at Farmington Country Club up in Charlottesville, Virginia. If you're in that Virginia, West Virginia, or D.C. areas, take that short drive and go meet him there. If you can't meet him in person, download the V1 video app and send Tom videos of your golf swing. He can help get you dialed in right there through the app. Please check out his website, TomPatry.com. Give him a follow on Twitter and Instagram at TomPatryGolf. And don't forget to subscribe to his YouTube channel where you can watch over 300 free video playing lessons. Tom is also a member of the Titleist Leadership Advisory Board, and it always does my heart good to have him here with me on Next on the T. Hey, TP, how are you, my friend? Hey, TP, how are you, my friend? Christine Boy! <laughs> Tom Patrick, how are you? Turn off Law and & Order and, 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 and come on the show tonight. I couldn't see the end of the show. And then I heard your introduction. Perster, Estes, and Devlin and Patrick. Ferrari, 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 Petzl. <laughs> it's just a, it's not it's not it's not right. I'm telling you, every great lineup has to have a leadoff hitter. You're my guy. You kidding me? You're my yeah, Pete Rose. Like, like, base guys, hit. Let's get, get this thing guys, going. You got three guys hitting 400, and I got hitting 199. <laughs> I don't think that's true. I think I think you're a solid 300 hitter. Oh Jesus! You're a delusion. Let's go on to the next thing. Come on, seriously. <laughs> Hi, Tom. Since last we spoke, a whole slew of guys have jumped ship and headed over to Live Golf. Right? We all knew that Cam Smith was going to do, he was going to take the Claire Jug and, and away he would go. So that happened. Joaquin Neiman, Harold Barner III, Cameron Tringali, Mark Leishman, uh, Aaron Ben, Lahari, and Bern Weisberger. Those guys all go now. So your, your take, where... I mean, are we going to see more of this happen? Are we going to, you know, once we get past what well, we got the president's cup left in this, in this tour season, after that, is, is it going to keep happening? What are your thoughts? I think we should give them a, every, every time somebody wants to go, we should give them a, a going away party. We should give them a party. Fire <laughs> up the cake, you know, balloon. The, cake and the ice cream and yeah, the whole thing, balloons, the whole thing, and, you know, have a clown, do the whole thing. You know, well, you don't really need a clown, Jeff. <laughs> You don't really, you don't really need a clown because you have Greg Norman. So you don't really need a clown. So, <laughs> you just bring Greg. But I mean, seriously, I mean, this is this is a, a steady stream. Is it going to stop? No, you know why it's not going to stop, Greg? Chris, because Greg Norman and the Live Tour and the Saudis have this endless resource called money. And and I guess what we found out in the past couple of months is that money is more important than legacy to this generation. Which is a sad statement in itself, but it seems to be the propensity of why these guys make the decision. And and as long as the Saudis have a bottomless pit and they want to keep this, this you know the show alive, 
they're going to attract a certain amount of guys to go do that. Um, so, it's, no, it's not going to go away. But I go back to what I always said to you in the discussion, you know, who's watching it? I don't even know where to tune in. You know, who cares? And and other than, I, I guess other than Dustin Johnson, I can't think of anybody that's gone that I really would turn the TV on to watch anyway. So, you know, no Cam Smith? Have a nice trip, guys. Well, Cam, <laughs> Cam Smith obviously hurt because, I, you know, me with short game, short game, short game. I can't, I yeah. enjoyed watching Cam Smith, obviously, right? How does a guy yeah. at that, at that point in his career, having won the tournament players championship, having won Claret Jug, really starting to entrench himself in golf history and still plenty young enough to do, do more damage? And create a really incredible legacy for himself going forward. He's now made himself basically to the general public invisible. Really, I mean, he's gone from being in spotlight to being invisible. Who's gonna, who's gonna, are you are you tuning in to watch it? No, but let me ask you this one question: When they when they right. when they do the shotgun start and he's in group three B. <laughs> <laughs> are we watching that? Are, are we watching 3D? <laughs> it's must see TV. Come on, are you kidding me? Oh no, but here, God, I mean, but hear me out on this, right? Let's play Go devil's advocate. Let me play devil's advocate for a minute. You're Cam Smith. You're 29 years old. You just won both of those big tournaments, <laughs> right? You are exempt currently. You're exempt to play the Open Championship until you're 60 years old. And you've got an exemption to play in the other majors for the next five years. Greg Norman just stroked me a check for, I don't know, what, I don't know that we've heard, 100 million, 150 million, whatever it was. And I can play in the tournaments that matter for at least the next five years. And like I say, the open championship forever. And I'm 29 and chances are I may just win another one of those major championships to reset you know, the five-year cycle again, you know, we'll start it over, and now i got another five years. Why wouldn't I go? So you're, you're, you're designating the only tournaments that matter as the U.S. Open, the British, the Masters, and the PGA, correct? We'll throw in the players, the Memorial, and Bay Hill, but essentially correct. So let's be honest. Who's going to remember who won the Rocket Mortgage Classic five years from now? Nobody. No, I, 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 I get what you're saying. But let me ask you a question. It goes back to what I think one of the real things that struck me in this whole conversation the last couple of weeks was what Tiger said. What is their incentive practice? Do they work as hard going forward preparing for live events and playing in live events as they were preparing to play in any event on the PGA Tour? Okay? Are they really working the countless hours they work because they were playing against fields that were so deep and so strong that they knew they had to be at their ultimate best every week, and does the guaranteed money, and we don't know the answer yet, does the guaranteed money have them sitting on their ass or taking time off or taking days off or taking reps off, and are they as sharp a year from now as they were in their prime on the PGA Tour? We don't know the answer yet, but we, we've seen money being thrown at guys in the National Football League and the NBA in Major League Baseball <laughs> cause them to sit on their ass a bit. Will it be a similar situation here? Right. 
I don't know, Tom. I think you've said it right tonight and a few other times that you've been on this show. I don't think legacy means all that much to this generation of players. Not as much as the money does. And this is generational money now. This isn't just, I'm going to do okay. This is generational kind of money that we're talking about here. On a low end, these guys are going to make, what, 125 uh, a week if they you know just show up to play the tournament? On top of which, on again, on a low end, what are they signing these guys to? 25 million, 50 million, 75, right? So we're talking about that generational money. And if I can still play in the majors until the PGA of America, until the RNA, until Augusta National, and until the USGA comes out and say, you guys are no longer qualified to play in any of our events. So if I can earn my way on there, or I already have, I'm Dustin Johnson, I'm Cam Smith, I'm Brooks Kepka. I can still play those and potentially reset the clock by winning another one. I mean, I don't think this generation cares about, hey, I won the fairly ridiculous open in the, oh, by the way, invitational. They care about winning majors and making money. And I think that's just where the game is right now. And I don't even think the majority of the players on the PGA Tour care about those events as well. I mean, Brooks Kepka is, is case in point. He didn't care about winning anything that wasn't a major. And I think that's why the PGA Tour forces players in the past to play in 15 events. Now it's up to 20 because if they didn't make them play in a minimum amount of tournaments, they wouldn't. And I think that's been that way for a long time. And it's certainly prevalent now. And I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. And I'm not sure that that's going to change anytime soon. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind anymore, Chris, after what I've seen the last three months, that this generation, and it's a sad, I mean, it saddens me. I, I truly mean it saddens me. This generation puts money ahead of titles. I mean, you know, Scotty Sheffler said something interesting. He said something about money this week at the Pro Championship and said, you know, I, I play golf to win golf terms. The money's a byproduct. You know, I can remember playing professional golf for eight years, and I never really once looked at the break, the purse breakdown before I started playing the tournament. I never looked at the purse breakdown. I didn't really know how much you were playing for. I was trying to win a golf tournament. You know, and I was always trying to finish as high as I could and, and beat as many players as I could that week. And obviously that's not the case. I mean, that's not, that's not the case here at all. They've, they've proven that to us that's not the case. So that's a, I think that's an extremely sad statement for the sport. Tom, here's something that struck me over the weekend. And with the tour championship being here in Atlanta, I went out to the tournament and on Friday is when it was essentially confirmed that Cam Smith was going over to live golf. We knew it going in, but that's when we heard it for sure. So I made sure that I went to the first tee on Saturday when Cam was going to be introduced and about to tee off. I went, wanted to be there for his tee time. I expected to hear, at a minimum, a smattering of boos. But instead, when they announced his name, the crowd went crazy. And then I followed him for several holes and when he would make a birdie people erupted in cheering and clapping for him and all that sort of stuff and what stuck with me is i don't think the fans care about these guys going over to live or not are you surprised that there wasn't any outrage about cam and him leaving and that the fans didn't boo him at least a little bit for leaving and going over to live instead the opposite seemed to be true they cheered him for doing it I think with the golf I do, 
the American public, unfortunately, has proven that the golf IQ across the board is not as high as we might hope it would be. Um, and I think, I think the, I think golf is a microcosm of the society. And I think the society puts money ahead of a lot of things. I think you look at the divorce rate in this country, look, look at, you know, the division in this country right now, look, look at how people, uh, use racist slurs in this country. I think we're in a bad place. I think golf is a microcosm of that. And it's a sad statement. And I'm going to get a lot of pushback and a lot of tweets and, and yells on that one. And people will obviously take shots at me, but, um, you know, I'm a loyalist, Chris. You know that. If you've learned anything about me, you've probably learned that in the last couple of years. And I, I have a strong ethical and, and moral compass. And and I think I think that where we are as a as a as a nation and as a, as an individual group of people is not in a good place. And I think we're just seeing that across the board. Tom, let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about something that's a little more positive about all of this stuff. And something that we've talked about the last several times you've come on the show, we've championed a bit, is that now a part of the changes are the non-exempt players are going to get $5,000 if they don't make the cut. They'll offset expenses. So of all of these changes, at least that sounds like something really good that's about to happen for those guys. I, I think that I think you're right. At first, I it, it came across as kind of a strange thing to me because it's always been, you know, play or go home. You know, my, my generation was you know you play or you go home, and you, you miss a cut, and you know, tough luck, man, move on. It's, it's a it's a it was a dog eat dog. You know, you, you kind of learn certain things, and if the core can afford to do that for the non-exempt player, um, and by the way, I'm not sure if five thousand a week is enough. If if, if you're doing that to help them to further access that week. I'm not sure if that's enough in today's day and age. Uh, I'd have to look at that hard and really break that down. Um, I remember, you know, I played a long time ago when I was playing. Um, you know, it was probably three a week back then, you know, and that's, that's a million years ago. So I'm not sure if five is the right number, but it's something, right? So yeah, I, I, I like that change. I think that's a good change. Tom, getting back to the Tour Championship and how big of a win, not just for Rory McIlroy, but for the PGA Tour, was it that Rory won it? I think I think that was a setup. Because I think that was, you know, like, you know, Miracle on 34th Street. <laughs> it almost seems too perfect, doesn't it? It almost seems like, you know, it's hey, really to lay down. We'll, we'll, we'll send you $6 million in, in the mail on the table just to lay down so Rory wins. No, I'm, and all I'm kidding aside, was it good? That was great. It was obviously... The right guy at the right time, and nothing against Scotty Scheffler. I think Scotty Scheffler is a incredible talent, uh, an, an incredible ambassador for the PGA Tour, and, and just the kind of person you really want to root for. He says all the right things at the right times, almost. Uh, but I, but I love everything out of his mouth, and I love the thing about has a bought a new car, still driving around the same SUV. But Rory, Rory winning in Atlanta was a big deal. It was at the you know right person at the right time. Um, it was huge. It was huge. It was huge wins for the tour, you know, to kind of shut some people up, I guess. And speaking of ambassadors for the game, how great was it after Rory won it? He walks behind the 18th green, goes over to Scotty Scheffler's father, gives him a hug, says, I'm sorry, and then hugs his mom and, and all of that. How great was that to see Rory as what is now the guy who is the face of the PGA Tour Win like that, be humble like that, 
and go over and, and greet Scotty's parents. Yeah, and I think that, you know, I think that makes me think just how, again, how sad. I, I used that word too many times tonight, but there were a lot of relationships out there that were great relationships that are broken now because of where guys have gone and what they've said and, and the sides they've taken, you know. I mean, with the exception of a few guys we know weren't particularly well-liked, you know, so Harold Varner was very well-liked. I mean, very, very well-liked out there. And, you know, he made a statement about the money really would change his life and change things he's able to do for his foundation. And I almost had to kind of take a step back and listen to that one. And the first time somebody admitted for the first time, they went strictly for the money. Um, and, and these are my reasons why. Um, but there's a lot of relationships that have been fractured terribly. And there's a lot of guys that have very ill feelings towards each other now that, you know, it, it, again, it's a sad commentary for the game, you know, but, Rory's class act, obviously, and what he did in addressing Scotty's family there was, was very classy. Um, you know, that's what golf's supposed to be. You know, you know, you work your ass off for four days, you, you play hard against each other, but, you know, somebody beats you, you tip, you tip the cap and say, hey, well done, got, you know, and let's go on to next week. We have the President's Cup coming up in a couple of weeks, and that event really has never had the juice that the Ryder Cup has. But how great of an event would it be if we had uh, next year, a few years from now, the PGA Tour players versus the Live Tour players? Talk about juice. That would be fun. We, can, we, we, we probably need uh, probably need some bodyguards, WWF staff, and uh, <laughs> and and no and no, sh- and no sharp objects allowed. Um, <laughs> yeah, how about you? Yeah, we, we can play Patrick Reed against Rory McIlroy in the first match. We might have to separate him on the third green. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it, you know, it's talking about a made-for-TV spectacle that everybody would tune into, and and certainly, um, I would hope that if that ever happened, which I, I doubt it would, but if that ever happened, that both sides, especially the American side, would really take it extremely seriously and not be yucking it up or, or, or you know, high-fiving anybody or, you know, giving them a, you know, I would want that to be a doggy dog, but uh, that would certainly <laughs> drive some TV ratings, wouldn't it? <laughs> Indeed. If who you guys come out in all who, black. <laughs> who, are your, who are your two captains? Who are your two captains for that, Chris? Well, I would think Greg Norman would have to be the guy for the live tour, and I'm not really sure who would be a good captain to be on the PGA Tour side outside of, obviously, Tiger. I, I think I think after some of the comments Freddie made, he'd be great, you know? Um, yeah, there you go. You could, have, you, could have, you could have Greg Norman come out dressed as Darth Vader and, and Freddie <laughs> could be Luke Skywalker. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. TP, I want to get a playing lesson from you before I let you go. One of those 300 great free lessons that you've added to your YouTube channel. And the one I want to talk about tonight is tension in our golf swings, which can destroy motion. And at a time when we're all looking to get more club head speed and swing out of our shoes, talk about how gripping the club harder and tension in our bodies will actually result in the opposite happening. Yeah, I mean, you know, when people make swing changes, Chris, during a lesson, you know, the recreational player, they change the grip or, you, you know, you change something in their backswing or they get hyper-focused in one area of their golf swing, you know, the normal propensity is to get get a little tense without even realizing. 
And I don't just address grip pressure, but I mean, your upper extremities, all parts of your upper extremities, your wrists, your hands, your elbows, your, 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 your shoulders, your, your neck, uh, your upper back. People think they look like they're almost robotic and they, they look like they're like the tin man. And obviously that's going to really impede range of motion, uh, a free flowing golf swing as beautiful, for example, as Tom Purser's, um, who swung with beautiful freedom in his golf swing. Um, Freddie, VJ. Ernie L, uh, Don January, you know, Gene Littler, Julius Boros. Those are all things that people should emulate as far as freedom of motion. Uh, and with that vehicle we call YouTube nowadays, you can go back and watch these guys playing a golf club. And I, I'm, I'm a big visual guy and I, I like to put things up on the screen for people and show them examples. Not that they have to swing like a tour player or be robotic or try to be somebody, but just the overall premise of freedom in a golf swing. It's sure going to make their life a lot easier. Tom, before I let you go, remind our listeners how they can stay up to date with all the great things you're doing and follow you, whether it's on your website, on social media, or on your YouTube channel. Chris, well, all the, all the typical places. The website is just tompatry.com, and everything you need to know about what I'm doing, where I'm going, and when I'm going to be there is there, as well as you know some bio and background. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. They're all platforms that I'm a part of. Um, but out of all those places, my favorite place for people to go to know what's going on is right here with you every other week. It's uh, How many shows is this now for us? Is it 7,432 shows, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's about right. I think that's close. I think really the number is 66 tonight, but it, it, it feels like that's the right number. It's unbelievable, but I mean... This is the most fun I have every other week coming on with you. You're, you're, the things you do for us and the people you bring on. Look at this lineup tonight. Kurtzer, Estes, and Bruce Devlin. Bruce Devlin is, is an icon in, in, in world golf. I mean, he's just one of the great players of all time. Bob Estes puts the ball like, well, he, you know, he's got to be in the top, maybe be in the top five of all time with, with the flat stick. So he's certainly going to provide your viewers with some insight tonight. And, and Tom Kurtzer, I mean, I don't know who swings the golf club more beautifully. In our generation, uh, you know, he's right up there with a Freddie or with a, with an Ernie, uh, that kind of motion, just, just absolutely gorgeous. And the guy I always love to watch. So you bring these people to us every week. And, uh, and for that, we sure will be really grateful, man. That's why we should tune in to hear you all the time. I appreciate you saying that very much, Tom. It means a great deal to me, my friend. Stay safe out there. All the best to you and, uh, and the missus. And I look forward to catching up with you again in a couple of weeks. Thanks, Chris. Tell Perch I said hi. I will absolutely do it. That is the great Tom Patry, folks. P-A-T-R-I is the spelling of his last name. TomPatry.com is the website. Tom Patry Golf on Instagram and Twitter. And look him up on YouTube, folks. you got to subscribe to that channel. Why wouldn't you? 300 playing lessons for free from one of the top instructors in the history of the game. Doesn't get any better than that, folks. And his lessons are outstanding. Stuff that you can take to the practice tee with you. Practice range. Remember, short game, short game, short game. Tom's got it all right there for you. You just take your phone with you, watch it, and then repeat what he does, and your game is going to get infinitely better. And he's just an outstanding human being and one of my favorite people on the planet. And I look forward to catching up with Tom again in a couple of weeks.